Hey everyone, uh, this is Why Evangelism Doesn't Work series, and we're doing episode number hmm, seven of seven. the series. Seven. Well done, Matt. Yeah, it's entitled, We Are Not Just Sowing Seeds. I'm here with my friend Lyle Southwell. Second time on the uh, podcast. That's right. It's crazy how time flies. You were on the second podcast entitled, Doctrine versus Jesus. I mustn't have um, messed up too badly on the first one, so That's we'll see, right. see if I can mess this one up. Well, you know, uh, we have mercy here. <laughs> In the mercy, the there department. you go, there you go. So we're willing to have... I'm back uh, because of mercy. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Glad you're here. Hey, and thanks for uh, deciding to listen in with us as we discuss a very important topic, and that is why evangelism doesn't work. Now, we don't think evangelism doesn't work. No, we it's don't. That, it's that we're reflecting the attitudes of a lot of people out there in churchland who think evangelism doesn't work. And, and looking at the reasons why they think that. That's right, exactly. Because they've seen or, lots of failures. Or, and, and the reasons why... It doesn't work to our satisfaction because we want to win more people. We want to see more accomplished through our efforts. And uh, we're talking about why we don't see more success in evangelism. And as I said, this is episode number seven of this series in our podcast. And uh, it's entitled, We Are Not Just Sowing Seeds. Have you guys ever heard someone say, I'm just sowing seeds? Absolutely. I've heard this many, many, many times over. Now, you're an evangelist, Law. How does that make you feel? It, um, it, it, it grates. It grates on me. It grates on you. It does. Now, but there's sincere people saying this, and usually they're saying this out of, you know, a humble recognition of the fact that they're not everything, that they can't do it all. Absolutely. And I think we can have that recognition without throwing in the just. We're just sowing seeds. Okay. So when you're sowing seeds, I don't know about you, Matt, but um, I love agriculture. I don't get to do it as much as I, as I would like to. I like growing things that I can eat. Yes. I don't think I've ever really bothered growing. I grow a rose, a rose pl- um, bush at every home that I live at. But apart from that, I, I grow things that I eat. Yep. And when I sow seeds, I expect to eat something. Right. If I don't get to eat something, I am super disappointed. Oh, okay. So, you, you, so you there's, there's no just sowing seeds. Yep. I'm sowing seeds with the expectation i'm gonna eat something yeah that's well it'd be like yeah i love your analogy i'm just out here planting seeds that's all i can do yeah so you, what farmer says that none 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 who wants to, <laughs> no to succeed in farming yeah yeah that's a good point i never took it from that angle before hey you know so, who, who would who would just uh you know walk around their block yeah with a bag full of seeds and randomly throw some on each person's lawn as they go past. Right. Yeah, nobody nobody does that. that. Yeah. And, and there's never going to be effective. You're never going to get a meal right. by doing that. Yeah. You know, it's funny because this, this statement, we're just sowing seeds, that's all we can do. It, it is an example of how you can mean two different things with the same statement. So if somebody says, I'm just sowing seeds, that's all I can do. And they're simply acknowledging that they're not everything and that they can't do everything. And perhaps, like the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, I think Paul says, Apollos watered. No, I planted the seeds, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So he's just saying there's different people who God uses at different times who do different things. That's right. So if a person says, I'm just sowing seeds, that's all I can do. If that's what they mean, what Paul means, then it's like, yeah, cool, of course. But if what they mean is... Yeah, because you and I can't convert anyone. Right. You've never converted anyone. I've never converted anyone. That's right. We never will convert anyone. Yeah. And so from that perspective, 
that it's a fair statement. And yeah. so this is this is the tricky thing with language is that someone can say this say one thing and mean like five things depending on you know yeah. the context they're coming out of, the way that they understand. So maybe things. maybe I should explain where I have my major objection. No, no, don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to finish my statement real quick and then you jump in. But they they could also mean, hey, I just like to do this kind of ministry. I don't want to be stretched beyond my comfort zone. Yet I want to do something for God. So I'm just going to sow seeds and say, I'm just sowing seeds. That's all we can do. That's all I can do. And that's a little bit where I, I feel similar to you. It gets a little bit aggravating because we don't just sow seeds, the seed of God's word. We don't just preach the gospel so that we can just hear ourselves talk and so that other people can hear us and that's it. We do it with the anticipation and expectation that God is going to use it to bring people to life. And so if we say to ourselves, well, we're just sowing seeds, it's all we can do. Well, what are you going to do when the seed of God's word brings someone to life? Are you just going to keep saying, I can just sow seeds, it's all I can do? And just keep throwing seeds at a person who's been born again in Jesus? No, you need to deliver them and bring them into life and help them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So no. you were saying. You, well, yeah, well, the thing that, that, I guess the thing that, and this is where I have the major objection, yeah. is that I think that we often use this concept of I'm just sowing seeds to avoid doing any kind of confrontational ministry. Mm-hmm. Now, what I mean by confrontational ministry is ministry in which we actually ask people to become a follower of Jesus Christ. A ministry in which we actually call for decisions. And so we have this nervous flinch where we stand back and it's like, I'm too scared to ask somebody to give their life to Jesus Christ. So I'll throw seeds at them and maybe one of those seeds will stick somewhere and grow and maybe they'll do it automatically. Now on occasions that does happen, you know, you can walk around your block and you can randomly throw seeds all over the place and one of those seeds might grow and you might go back in a year's time and eat a fresh tomato off that plant. (laughs) that nobody has run over with their lawnmower and, you know, no dog has dug out of the ground um, and no other, you know, random bird has come by and, you know, eaten. But that's going to be incredibly rare. And so we have a lot of people who were like, yeah, yeah, I sow seeds, I sow seeds, you know, I just live my life as a Christian and and, and I'll be an example and that's it. Um, I can't do anything more than that. And, uh, and, 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 And expect then to get some kind of harvest from that and when no harvest comes it's like well evangelism doesn't work because i sowed a bunch of seeds and didn't get a harvest right well it's almost like you're saying you're not appreciative of someone speaking out of a place of fear or a place of laziness or a place of hey i just don't really feel comfortable doing this so i'm not going to do it and then i'm going to use a spiritual reason to excuse myself for not being willing to do it so I guess this is, the once again, the tricky thing about language is I could be saying something and mean two different things. If I say, oh, I'm just sowing seeds, that's all I can do. I can be communicating, I'm really lazy. <laughs> or yes. not, not, not that I'm really lazy. I, I'm really uncons- I'm unwilling to get up close and personal with people. And I will only work at a distance because I'm just not socially capable of drawing near enough to people to help them more than just to throw things at them. Okay. Or, they, I can, or they can mean, the good thing they can mean is, like I said before, I'm not God, I'm just doing the best I can. And, and I think we should discuss that because the Bible does describe the church as being a body. Yep. And with the body, there's many different organs. You've got your hands, you've got your feet, you've got your ears, etc. And you need to have all the different kinds of people with all the different kinds of talents. So you and I, Matt, we get up the front 
and we're happy to preach an evangelistic series and to call people to come down the front and give their lives to Jesus Christ. Yeah. There are a lot of people out there who'd say, who would say that's not my calling. And it, it, it is and actually not true. their calling. They are, right. that, is, that is 100% not their calling. Mm -hmm. Their calling is something vastly different. Yeah. And so, uh, for instance, you know, I've got friends who run a food ministry. And when they run their food ministry, they're like, this is my calling. This is something I can do very, very effectively. Mm -hmm. here's, where, here's, where I, here's where I see an aspect come in that can be extremely immoral. And that is when you look at the ministry that you are doing, whatever that might be, and say, okay, this is my calling. This is where I fit into the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do this little piece here without any kind of agenda. I believe that it's unbelievably immoral for Christians to do anything without an agenda. Whatever it might be, you know, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all with an agenda. With intent. With intent. And so agendaless or intentless Seed sowing is something that I think we really need to address and we need, really need to um, look at just how immoral that is. So what do you say, and I appreciate what you're saying because I, I agree because I know what you're, where you're coming from and I'm coming from the same place. What do you say to someone then who says, well, that's inauthentic, that's not genuine love, that's just you doing a job to get someone to agree with you, right? So like you want to get... Like the old gunslingers in the American West, they would, every time they killed a person in a gunfight, they'd put a notch in their belt. And so in America, sometimes people would say, this is just notch in your belt evangelism. This is just a person trying to boost their ego by winning more people, and then they can feel good about themselves. So, so you're saying I should have agendas, but how do agendas coincide with really being friends mm -hmm. and really loving people, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. And if, and if, it, it, if it is not genuine, then you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's not genuine, then you're not a Christian. Because here's the thing. If you're a Christian and you truly love God, right? Yep. If, if Jesus is truly living in your heart, everything you do mm -hmm. is going to have an agenda. And when you look at somebody and say, okay, I can help this person so that I can lead them to Christ, that's not putting a notch in your belt. Mm -hmm. That is expressing the character of God that is being manifested within you yeah. because that's what Jesus came to this earth to do. Jesus came, did not come to this earth without an agenda. He came to this earth with to a very, seek very... To, save that which was to lost. seek and to save that which was lost and He died on Calvary with an agenda to draw all men to Himself. Yes. So the question is not do you have an agenda? The question is is your agenda noble and holy, yeah. or is it selfish and egotistical? Oh, if, you're, if, you're, if you're going out there with, with an agenda to put notches on your belt, then right. that's absolutely immoral. That's you're just as immoral as, doing, as, as trying to be a Christian without having an agenda. It's, it's actually more ignoble to try to use religion to boost your ego than it is to just boost your ego without religion. And this is where we get the two extremes that often come in. Yeah. Uh, and the devil will always try and drive us to one extreme or the other. And he will create one extreme so that he can create the opposite. Mm. And so he, he, you know, he creates the, 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 the Bible bashers who go out there and their only interest is, and their only, the only way they find any kind of self-worth mm. is in how many baptisms they get. Mm. 
and uh, then he creates a reaction to that because that's bad yeah he creates a reaction to that it's like we should just go and love people and never ever present the gospel to as them as if loving people and helping people to be saved forever are contradictory concepts yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. so i don't want i don't want to get people saved because i just want to love them uh-huh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. you don't love people if you don't but, want to see them saved. You know, it's so funny because this is this i love having these conversations because it it, it demonstrates how do i say this it highlights the way people you usually think and that's reactionarily so most of our thinking is a reaction against other kinds of thinking which is just not a not a good idea we should start with scripture and end with scripture as biblically minded people so we shouldn't form our views around what we're rejecting or we shouldn't allow our views to be based on what we're rejecting so somebody sees evangelistic approaches where it's all about numbers and it's all about my ego and me being successful and therefore they say that's bad that's no good we need to love people and then they just you know throw out the baby with the bathwater and create this other false way of functioning and that is let's just love people but have no concern for their eternal redemption and it's like what that? <laughs> that's not love it'd be, it'd be the equivalent of i use this illustration all the time and it's it, I hope that no one here has heard it before, but everyone will have. Like, you know, nobody says to a fireman, like, you're trying to save people from a fire. You're, you're supposed to just love them. Like, getting them out of the fire and loving them, you know, they, those two ideas are not in conflict whatsoever. They're complementary ideas. That's right. And surely a fireman who doesn't save people because he cares for people, yeah, there's, there's something wrong with that. But that doesn't mean that getting people out of the fire is somehow not loving. When we look at when we look at the concept of sowing seeds, and we look at it particularly in the context of the you know the last several podcasts that you've done, as far as the evangelism cycle goes, yeah. um, seed sowing comes on very early in that process, and it's going to involve you know reaching out to the community through very inoffensive methods. Yeah. You know nobody's going to be offended by you running a food ministry. Right. Nobody's going to be offended by you running a health ministry. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is really where we start. And in doing so, we're looking, you know, we, we're definitely targeting a portion of society that is much harder to reach. And that's good. We need to be targeting those portions of society. Yep. The problem is when we do those kinds of ministries without having an agenda to complete the cycle of evangelism. And so if all we're ever going to do and all we ever aspire to do is to feed people, then all we're going to end up with is well-fed sinners. Yep. If all we ever do is run health programs, all we're going to end up with, at the, without an agenda, all we end up with at the end is very healthy sinners. And we're not in the business of creating well-fed sinners or very healthy sinners. We're in the business of leading people to Jesus Christ so that they can receive His grace into their lives. Yep. And we're preaching the message of repentance towards God. We want people to be born again. Yeah, we want to bring them to Jesus Christ so that He can give them Himself and reform them and just give them eternal life. I was thinking, just if I'm not interrupting you too much, mid-thought, but John chapter 6 and verse 66, as a result of this, something that Jesus had just done, many of His disciples withdrew and were not walking with Him anymore. So in the context of John 6, I don't know if, if John 6 is a familiar chapter to you. Well, I know that you know the content of John 6, but do you know what's happening at this point in the story? So like, there were huge multitudes with Jesus, and then Jesus did something. And after he did this, verse 66, as a result of this, many of his, his own disciples did not follow him anymore. And then he ends up looking at the disciples and saying, are you guys going to leave too? 
He's just talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, which has kind of freaked everybody out too. That's right. So I just want to just consider the story for a second. The day before this sermon that he preaches that offends so many people, Jesus had fed 5,000 men with five loaves and two fish. So everyone's fired up and they're just beside themselves and they want to make this guy a king. In verse, On the spot. In verse 15, it says they're going to take him by force and make him a king because they're like, what? They're flipping out. And Ellen White in The Desire of Ages says that there were men of very strong minds in that crowd, very powerful political figures there who saw what was going on. And when they saw this man doing this miracle and feeding 5,000 people in the middle of the wilderness with just a few fish and, and a little bit of bread, they were just like, oh, this is it. Yep, this guy's the Messiah. And he refused. He fully refused. And he, he goes up onto a mountain. He tells his disciples to leave. They go across the lake. He prays all night. There, I think, in a storm, he comes walking on water. And uh, the whole scene with Peter happens. And then they, the next day, are on the other side of the lake. And you got all these crowds of people, and it's like Jesus seems kind of depressed about it. Because he says to them, it's like around verse 27, he says to the group of people, Hey, listen, you guys are not following me because you saw the miracles. You're following me because you got free food. This is an indication that Jesus is not happy with their motive for following him. They're just following him for food. And yep. he's like, you got free food. You're out in the wilderness. I'm a really powerful, important person in your minds. And so you're trying to hang out with me. It's like the typical human tendency to go where you can get the most for yourself. And then he preaches this sermon on the bread of life and everyone gets offended. So to me, this is a, it's a perfect example of how Jesus, he, he met people's needs. He dwelt with them. He loved them. He blessed them physically. But then he preached the truth to them. Absolutely. And he wasn't afraid to offend them because if people were not open-hearted to the truth and to the gospel, well, then he really couldn't do anything for them because he came to save their souls ultimately, not to just give them more food so that they can just be lost, sinful, you know, fallen human beings. Um, so I just think that John 6 is a perfect kind of scriptural it is. comparison, to, uh, not comparison, but um, companion to the conversation we're having. Yeah, and, and it goes well with, you know, a lot of the ministries that we have because we do have a lot of ministries here in North New South Wales feeding people. Yeah. And they are fantastic ministries. And I have dedicated a significant portion of my life to you know, a number of these food-based ministries. Yeah. We're doing a lot of money from evangelism funding for, for these ministries, tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and they're, they're great. Which we should. Which we should. That's trust. right. Yeah. Because we are following the example of Jesus when we do. Yeah. Um, but not when we omit what Jesus did in John 6. Okay, so my question is, if you are prepared to feed somebody, to give them food or whatever the ministry might be, but to provide for their needs, mm -hmm. but you are not prepared to talk to them about Jesus Christ unless they specifically ask, what kind of a Christian are you? You know, because I've got to tell you, when I'm in love with somebody, I love to talk about it. Mm -hmm. You're not going to stop me from talking about it. And it's going to be the favorite thing on my mind that I'm going to, you know, it's, it's, it's like well, Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah got beat up one time really, really badly. And he's like, okay, that's it. I'm not saying anything anymore. I'm done. I'm, I'm over. You know, and Jeremiah is, I, I think I love about Jeremiah is that he just, you know, he tells you exactly what he feels like at the time. And he's like that. I refuse to speak anymore in his name. He I'm says, done. and then he says, but the word of God was like a fire in my bones that I was weary with holding back and I could not stop myself. Yeah. You know, and so my question is, does the effort to hold in the word of God exhaust you? 
Or is it really easy to not talk about Jesus Christ? You know, that's some... It's it's very confrontational. That's confrontational. It's challenging. It's It's challenging. My son and I, my sons and I yesterday, they always ask me to watch fail videos on YouTube. Now, I've only let them watch fail videos three times in their lives. Like, I've got a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. Well, yeah, it was the biggest mistake I think I've ever made, <laughs> is watching the first little 10-minute clips of fails. And fails, for those of you guys who don't know what that is, it's just videos on YouTube of people, like, doing skateboarding tricks and falling down or BMX. It's just funny things that happen. Someone at the pool in the pool. It's like out at the ground pool, and it busts, and ha, ha, it's funny. Or someone away. dancing at a wedding, and <laughs> they fall into the wedding cake or something. My son's just, as you'd imagine, a six-year-old oh, yeah. boy. They just go bonkers uh, from watching it. So yesterday, mom was at work, and so we're having lunch, and the boys are like, let's watch a fail video. I was like, no, we'll watch a documentary. So we watched a 30-minute documentary of the most difficult ways for kids to get to school. Very educational, very interesting. And, uh, and then after, I was like, okay, boys, we'll watch a fail video. So we watched, you know, five minutes of a fail video. Uh, what did my sons tell mom they watched? As soon as they saw (laughs) the hell video, like, Mom, we watched this field video, and they're like explaining everything, and you know, just so passionate, so excited, no hesitation, no fear, no shame. It was just natural and flowing, and they, in their own minds, could not conceive of a world where everyone didn't want to hear what they had to say about fail videos, right? Uh uh It was just because they're so in rapture over fail videos and the funny things that they saw. And I think this is a good example of what you're saying. If you love something, you're not ashamed of it. No. No, of course. I think it's a good example from a number of perspectives because um, you and I are friends on Facebook, so I see what you post. Yeah. And most of what you post is about your kids. Right. You're never ashamed to talk about your kids. You talk about your kids in any kind of environment because you, you love know, your kids and you know there's people out there who are like ah oh, he's just showing off about his kids i don't you know whatever you know like or there's people hey people in the world are cynical and they oftentimes read the worst in the i have AC. kids as well yeah every dad has the right to be a proud dad no of course that's and a also good thing to, to share him. i feel like you to some degree learn of god the father when you share your kids because you just can't imagine a world where there aren't people who see the great beautiful attributes of your children you know so but hey listen okay so you guys who've listened in thank you so much we believe lyle and myself and we believe the bible testifies to this fact that we're not just sowing seeds now you may just be sowing seeds in an individual sense and that could be a perfect thing to think like hey i understand i'm just doing whatever i can for god in my insufficiency in my incompleteness i'm just out here sowing seeds man if that's your attitude, that's your disposition, then we want to give you a metaphorical pat on the back and say, praise God for God you bless. Yeah, and absolutely. your humble willingness to just do what God's called you to do. But as a, as a larger church community, we're not just sowing seeds. We are in the business of saving lives, just like the fire service is not just in the business of, you know, shooting water out of hoses. No, they're in the business of putting out fires and saving people's lives and God has commissioned us to that end and so yeah look don't think that we're just out there sowing seeds if that's what you think well then that's why evangelism doesn't work yeah absolutely that's why it doesn't work yeah. any closing thoughts well, well it's a little bit like um, it's a little bit like a um, you know a, a, a guy who you know just some random guy who who sows his seeds and uh, oh, maybe wild, oh, you like wild, that. wild oats yeah I oh, like that I like that illustration uh, but it's, let's say he sows his wild oats what do we think of the guy who sows his wild oats, gets a girl pregnant, and then just wanders off? I think he's a very irresponsible person. Yeah, that's right. 
And so, you know, we don't do that as Christians either. We don't just sow some seeds, give them some food, give them a health message or whatever it might be, and then wander off. Right. We actually intensely care for that person. And because we care for that person, we want to see them in heaven. We want to spend the rest of eternity with them. Yeah. And because we love them, we're going to sow seeds with an agenda so that, and, and that agenda is to be united to them for the rest of eternity. In the same way that we respect a young man who who marries a woman, um, has children with that woman because he wants to be, he wants to be connected to that person for the rest of his life. Yes, we Um, expect that the word of God can do what it says that it can do. And so, if someone doesn't like the word agenda, we can say, we sow seeds with expectation, and we're willing to take responsibility. For what sowing the seed can accomplish. Absolutely. And so if I have a child, I don't abandon that child. That's not the loving thing. That's not the decent thing. That's not the good thing to do. I take responsibility for the life that's come into existence because of my sowing seeds. And the difference between the two scenarios is love. Is love. That's it. Eh? That's what it comes down to. You know, the one guy loves, the other guy does not. And um, I, I think that's, that's really where we need to stop and ask ourselves the question, do we love these people enough to have a purpose in our hearts to see them saved eternally and to spend eternity with them? Amen. Amen. Remember, guys, we're not just sowing seeds. We're taking responsibility for the power of God and doing all in our power to win people into eternity. God bless you guys. We'll, we'll see you again soon. Bye.